Yeah, I, I would very much just want to have my cozy routine back. Yeah. So soon. Yeah. I think my leg's broken. Yeah, I was going to ask you how that stress fracture of yours is doing. Or not, I don't. I don't think it's a stress fracture. Here's. You know what? It's probably not that bad. I kind of like can't uh, bend my foot all the way up all too well. Like it's only my right foot. Like I can bend my. You know. I can like kind of whatever the opposite of pointing your toes are like in the other direction. I can like bend my foot really well with my left foot that way, but my right ankle just will not do that right now. That's awful. Um, yeah, like it's weird. Like I'll be walking around. I have like a, a slight limp right now. Um, I'll be walking around and like kind of just drag my start realizing I'm dragging my feet. Like, my one foot drops down a lot faster than my other one, so I have a click-clack going on. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's fine. I mean, whatever. But, I'll, you know, eventually. I might get some x-rays tomorrow. We'll see. Yeah, please do. Yeah, Please do. Your health is important. Yeah, I just, like, can I just get a walking boot somewhere and just put it in there for a little bit? I mean, I, I think I actually have a walking boot. Oh, yeah, can you ship it to me? I, I it would cost far less than <laughs> than uh, what you're gonna be paying. I can oh, tell you that. I just don't want to go pay for fucking X-rays. Whatever. Uh, it's almost St. Patrick's Day. It's uh, I'm feeling lucky. I'm feeling like this is gonna be a good one. How are you feeling, Kyle? I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, but I don't particularly enjoy this holiday. You motherfucker. Why? Yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. I was just telling you all about how like my like leg is you know basically broken and i'm i'm stoked to be in a mass of people doing nothing but drinking all day saturday i don't know i don't know when i, I don't really have a disdain for it i just don't have a the, the taste for it because drinking holidays are very silly to me I, i'm sorry come I don't on, know, I come don't, on. Yeah, i'm sorry i'm sorry right i'm sorry i just can't i just can't it's just come on. i don't know i, I don't know i mean when i was you don't want to have fun? You don't like when fun? I, when I was younger, certain, I don't know, I guess it was a little bit more fun. You had an excuse, but like, now it's just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to shoot, I don't want to shoot on this. I don't want to do it again. I got to save my energy for eggnog. Yeah, you, oh, uh, yeah, Christmas come on. Time. So, so you, uh, tell me about your St. Patrick's Day plans so that I don't railing this parade of yours. No, but I'm just going to fucking go to uh, the bar that I work at. Uh, because they'll let me get to the front of the line and in for free. And then I'm going to drink a bunch. Like a whole lot. I'm going to watch the parade first. Then I'm going to go there. There's and, a parade. Uh, of course there's a parade. You yeah. live in a major city. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then you know, the bar, <laughs> fucking bar I'm working for is opens up at 9.30 that day. 9.30 in the morning. And I'm just going to be there for for few hours and yeah and then i'll probably go home fall asleep wake up sunday morning either feeling great or, or terrible either way i'm gonna like order pizza do nothing that's how i live my life well anything that involves eating pizza is always an immediate w so congratulations I'm gonna on that. at some point during this podcast and turn the oven on to make a pizza fucking sale on DiGiorno at the grocery store yesterday dude fucking 5.99 that's not pizza, bro. DiGiorno's not you don't like DiGiorno? If it comes frozen in a box, oh it's god. not it's not pizza. Oh my god. Look, I get it. I understand, right? But you have to understand that there's there's degrees. Like I I first of all, first of all, let me tell you, I did find the best pizza spot in all of Chicago because it's fucking hard. There are not that many uh pizza places around here that are worth anything. And they all think that they're like big shit, but they're not. I was gonna say, is this flat pizza or one of those Meat pies Stop you guys it. sell there. When I'm talking to you about pizza in this sense, <laughs> I'm talking about thin crust pizza. Okay. okay. Thin crust. If I if I meant deep dish, I would say deep dish. I haven't totally lost everything about being a New Yorker, okay? Yeah, well, I gotta sometimes you just gotta test the waters. Yeah. I gotta see how far gone you are. Yeah, you're testing me, all right. But I fucking like all these places think that they're the the real deal. But I found it, man. I found one. It's just just a little bit off from New York pizza still. But, oh, man, it's the, best, it's the closest thing I've tasted out here. And it's literally a block away from my office, and it's terrible. 
And what's also terrible is that the best bagel shop in the city is also like two blocks away from my office. So I, I am just not getting anywhere near in shape anytime soon. Okay. I mean, if it's for bagels and pizza, it's totally understandable. Right. There's a couple and like flanked. Out, oh my God. This is ridiculous too, because it's literally like you go east and there's a bagel shop all from the central location of my office. You go west just and like, you know, within a two block span, you go west and then you hit the pizza place. You go either north or south on either side, north a block up, south two blocks down, two donut shops. What am I supposed to do? Eat donuts, probably. I, I do. I sure do. Had had a bunch yesterday. It was a birthday. I mean, uh, that's the that's the opportune time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, you ready to do this? You want to go next time? Yeah, I mean, gotta get it over with. Welcome, everybody, to the TKW Podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. That's my man, Kyle Maggio. What's going on, friends? And we are here to not not talk about too much. The big news of the day is, uh, you know, it, it's day one of March Madness as we're recording this. It's uh, so getting in about 8 o'clock on the East Coast, and a lot of games have already been played. Uh, we had some upsets. We've had some near upsets. We've had some dominations. And we're going to have Joseph Nardone, the most dominating college sports writer, uh, on the pod later on to talk to us about all those games. In the meantime, Kyle, why don't we just talk briefly about what's going on with the Knicks right now? Um, do we just need to talk about the tank? Is that basically it? Basically, I mean, they pulled off an impressive tanking victory, not an actual victory, a tanking victory against the Dallas Mavericks. And basically, and I tweeted it out this morning, they've started to catch up on all that tanking ground they had lost earlier in the year. So I think as it stands right now, they are two and a half back of the seventh spot and they are three games out of the sixth spot. So I mean, that's significantly better than where they started. They started like, I think it was like seven or eight games out. So they made up a lot of ground in a short period of time. So right, as it stands now, Dallas is at, they're in seventh and they're at 22 and 46. The Knicks are at 24 and 44. I'm surprised that Dallas has fallen so far. Because Dallas, even when they're bad, they're like a scrappy underachieving bad. Like, you know, like they'll always be competitive because Carlisle gets the most out of his guys, even those young guys. I mean, remember last year they were doing it. They still they picked back under the lottery, but they were supposed to be bad. And then Carlisle ended up getting a lot from like Seth Curry and Yogi Farrell, like came over from Brooklyn. So he got a lot mm -hmm. out of those guys. They got a lot of production and those couple extra victories make Is all Yogi the difference. Yogi Farrell still balling. I don't know if he's still ball. You mean balling like he's he's playing in the league or like balling well? Like I think he, they were I think asked, he, like he was supposed to be the starter or something. Like he was in line for the throne, and then Dennis Smith Jr. came and took it from him. I mean, I don't know about the the throne, but he got ample playing time right, because right. there was the vacancy, and he did well with it. Exactly. What so, I mean, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but I mean that he was he would be given the chance to be the starter this year if it wasn't for Dennis Smith. Okay, yeah, that I agree. Yeah, I mean, he basically got the reins, so I agree there. And then they, you know, got a better opportunity with Dennis Smith Jr. And um, it is what it is. But Dallas is just kind of scrappy like that always. Like, they're a terrible team, but they're scrappy. You know, so I think they beat Denver a couple nights ago. Uh, before playing the Knicks, well. so He's playing yeah, about I mean, as well as you would expect his ceiling to be. Like, 10 points, yeah. 3 rebounds, and like 2.5 assists. Shooting nearly 40% from three, too. That's pretty good. Yeah. But, oh. um, no, so, so, Farrell. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Knicks impressively 
you know, lost that game, but they've lost eight in a row now, which is fantastic. And nine of their last 10, they're still in the ninth spot, but mm-hmm. the bulls have, you know, won a couple of games. They're, they've won three out of their last 10. Now I have so, a uh, confession. I have bulls a, bull, I have up. a bulls beanie that I've been wearing lately because I think it's helping them win. So that's my hey. contribution to the Knicks tank right now is cheering the bulls on. I'm gonna gonna give you a temporary pass, right? It's just a temporary and, pass, and I got and, it for I got it for a dollar. Okay, and, it was a dollar. And in 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 the event that something fantastic happens for the Bulls, or they jump us in the lottery, you know, or mm-hmm. something, maybe they get the first pick overall with their two point eight percent chance of getting it. Um, then I'm gonna directly blame you. So. The uh, the Bulls are playing the Grizzlies tonight. Who do we want to win that game more? We want the Grizzlies to win more? The Grizzlies. Uh, no, no, no. We or want, no, we want the Bulls to win more, right? Because we're closer to them. Like, they're our biggest yeah. odds right now. We're not going to yeah. pass the Grizzlies. No, because we're there's, what, 15 games left? And we're six games back of the Grizzlies and uh, five games back of the Suns. It's just not going to happen. Like they're most likely going to lose all of, if not almost all of the remaining games. Like it's just not, there's not enough games for us to catch up. Even if we lost out, they're most likely going to lose out and we still wouldn't catch up. So it's just not going to happen and that's okay. So we just want to get all we've ever wanted when KP went down was we were like, look, we're in like 10th now, ninth or 10th. Mm-hmm. All we want to do is get as close to the top five as we can. This mm-hmm. is a really loaded draft, or at least everyone's making it out to be. And we'll touch that a little bit uh, when Joe Nardone gets on. But yeah, um, just we want to get in that like five at best. Between five and seven is like the soft spot for me. Like if we get in there, I'd be really comfortable. Yeah. Given I- this draft landscape. Yeah, I would be surprised if we got anywhere above fourth right now. Like, looking at it, I feel like, uh, I mean, even Atlanta's... Are, all right, so Orlando's 21-48, Brooklyn is 21-47 to Cleveland, uh, Sacramento's 22-47, <laughs> Dallas 22-46, Chicago 23-44, and the Knicks are 24-44. and And then, like, honest to God, every... Anywhere between third and third. Ooh, wow. Third is not a number. Sure isn't. Nope. Uh, but anywhere from third to ninth is like within striking distance. I would be surprised if they finished anywhere higher than fourth, I think. Probably fifth through seventh. You're right. It's the, it's the sweet spot that I can expect us to be in. But man, they, they have a legitimate shot, I think, at getting up to that. Um, you know, the third, at, at least the third worst record. And like, you know, like Memphis and Phoenix are really the only two that look completely uncatchable. I even 1950, 1849. I, honestly, just given, just given the, I don't know. I all the way up to four. Like I, I don't see us. I don't see us beating out Orlando as bad as they are. Atlanta as bad as they are. Right. I, I don't think Memphis. I don't expect I, I, it. It's just, there's definitely I, a chance. I, we're looking at the, even, records. even Brooklyn, I'd be cautious because while they're still bad, they're also very scrappy bad, much in the way that Dallas is. So five is like the, for me anyway, I guess we're splitting hairs because it's like a game difference, but you know, the Nets is like the farthest that I could see us possibly catching if everything broke well. I just don't think we'll ever, those other first four teams are just going to keep losing like in pathetic fashion. And then you know, if, if Dallas or Brooklyn keep winning, it, the Bulls kind of got forced to play their starters again. So they, they are, you know, they've been winning a little bit more. So I feel like five is like best case scenario. We have the fifth, fifth worst record, but you know, as long, like I said, I think we're all in agree. It's if we can even, you know, get to there, it, it'd be a bonus at this point. We'll see where we go. 
I mean, uh, it's just, it's really crazy between both conferences how close the race is really getting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, it's, it's, I mean, like, both for the playoffs, both for the end of the record, like, it, it just seems like a lot of teams have similar records this year. Well, we, we were discussing this in our, you know, Nick Small group chat the other day, how it seems like this might be the tankiest year in a while because it seems like yeah. all teams are pretty much bunched up. But if you notice, you know, and I'm just looking at the, the tankathon standings because it, you know, yeah, goes all do. the way through 30. And you see how right when you get to the Lakers, the Lakers are the last team with a losing record and mm. it's 31 and 37. And you go to Denver, and Denver has oh, 37, that. 37 yeah. to 31. So immediately, there's no, like, 500 teams, that's, really. That's crazy. That's really kind of fascinating. Like, you pretty much have a losing record for sure or a winning record for sure. Like, you're either pretty comfortably over 500, you know, and comfortably, uh -huh. I mean, like, you're not one or two games over. You right. know, the closest to 500 right now is Miami at 36 and 33. Yeah, like nobody so, nobody wants to finish with like a 32, you know, win record or something like that. Like nobody wants to finish going, you know, like 35 and, you know, whatever. Yeah, so it just seems uh, that was one thing that stuck out to me this morning. I didn't get to tweet about it more, but I noticed that this morning. I was like, that's odd. Normally you see it, you know, sort of it's a little bit more smooth. You know, you see a couple almost 500 teams. You'll see a couple, you know, a couple games under 500 and you'll see the 500 teams, a couple games over, but it was kind of like a stark contrast to go from six games under to six games over, you know, right next to each other in the, the standings. So I thought that was yeah, kind of interesting, but um, we should probably at least briefly, briefly touch on maybe that Dallas game. Yeah. Beyond the results, but um, you know, bees had a good game. He's at 21 on uh, 10 of 13, so he's very efficient. Um, Timmy had kind of like a regular Timmy game. You know, he was 8 of 17, which is not good for 19 points. Uh, 1 of 6 from deep. He's actually been shooting roughly 48% in March, so this was kind of an outlier of a game for him this month anyway, mm -hmm. but uh, it is what it is. But he had three rebounds and assists. Uh, Moutier... I just, I'm, I'm very out of Moutier right now. I was hoping he'd get like that change of scenery and he played really well, but it's just not happening. Yeah. I I have like no, uh, no mind for Moutier right now. I just don't feel like he, like he kind of showed a little bit when he first got here and he's like said, he's motivated. He said he's proven to be motivated right now. He's trying again. He's giving it a fresh start, but I just don't see anything, you know? It, it's just, I just don't like, there's nothing that I can look to right now. There's no signs I can look to and be like, okay, well, at least this is solid. And if he can only work on X, Y, and Z, you know, we'll have it. We'll make a capable player out of him. At least like, I just don't know where to look with him. I, I don't know. I mean, I just figured on a bad team like this, he was going to get ample opportunity. And, um, eventually from having, the greenest of lights, he was going to have a couple of little breakout games, but I haven't really, there just hasn't really been much. I, I, he's been abysmal defensively, which was to be expected, but I guess when you see it game in and game out, you realize how bad it is. And it's, again, maybe, you know, the summer he gets in a little bit better shape. He's still young, having a full training camp will help. We'll see about if there's any coaching changes, someone to, help him out a little bit, but, um, yeah, it's just, it's just not good, which depends which side of the fence you're on. For me, I'm a little bit encouraged because that means Frank's got a really good job, uh, chance next year to pry the starting job, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's definitely good that nobody is better than Frank right now, but that also leads to the fact that we need Frank to be good next year too, or okay. yeah. at least at, if not good, at least encouraging. Like yes. we we saw yeah we saw flashes this year and there was enough flashes you know not to make him a good basketball player a good NBA player yet but enough flashes to be like those are the signs of a good basketball player that hopefully he can become so um, hopefully next year he can kind of put that together a little bit more 
just somewhat more consistency. And that's why I say encouraging. Just let us see that all those flashes weren't just flashes. Let us see that they're actually, actually a realistic part of the growth of your game. That's all I want to see. We'll live with the results, but we, I just want to see him piece things together a little bit more. But what do you think of the uh, starting him at the two experiment so far? I kind of feel like him at the two is is it's tough for me because I want to see him develop and know how to be a primary ball handler. I don't really know what it's like for him to like be playing off the ball. If he, if he's used to that in that sense, I don't know how many other point guards he's played with in the past that have shared the floor with him. It's a valuable skill for him to learn. And if that ends up becoming his role, like that's kind of fine. Like he is still like a bit of a blank canvas. So, you know, however they deploy him is, you know, as long as he's developing, I'm not really too picky about it. But at the same time, I, I worry that, he should be trying to figure this out in a more traditional fashion, and then he could add, you know, being able to work on and off the ball together uh, after that. I don't know. I, I really am conflicted on it. Yeah, I mean, I'd much, I agree. I mean, I'd much rather just see him start at the one a little bit more before they try to just start him at the two. You know, I mean, what, what did he get? The one game in Portland? And then it was, well, we'll try to play him Yeah, off I think he ball. started two of them. They, yeah, and I, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, the results aren't going to really be there when you, you throw him in Portland at Damian Lillard and, you know, CJ McCollum in the middle of their, like, fuego streak. Like, they're, I, they've been balling out of their minds right now. I mean, how did you think that was going to go in his first career start? You got to give him a little bit more to go off of than that, but I don't know. Do you think they kind of just started him at the two for a couple of games as, like, a publicity stunt? I don't think it was a publicity stunt, but I think they they're still trying out what they have. You know, I think they still want to try to ride out this Moody thing and just see if they can get anything out of him at the end of the year. And just to see what's there, you know, really make sure that they have everything they need to see on him going into next year. And I think at the same time, they still want to start Frank and give Frank the ample playing time that they feel he needs as well. So I, yeah. I just felt it was more like, look, we can play two guards in the NBA, you know, James Harden and Chris Paul play together, you know, lots of, right. right. You know, point guards are in, in the old school sense, traditional point guards play together now at the one and two. And it's not really point guard shooting guard. It's just, we have two guards. So I think that's more so what it was. It was just like, yeah, well, we don't really have a shooting guard per se. So, you know, we can mix it up a little bit. Yeah, totally. Um, it's it's weird because it's just the fit is so weird with Hardaway being there, and it's just like this team is so guard heavy all of a sudden, uh, and just spacing the floor out is is, you know, I think it's going to be a challenge this year and next. And you know, not everyone's going to get perfect minutes at their position everywhere. Like Hardaway's been playing the three basically all year, so you know, I'm not like. It's kind of like whatever. You kind of take what you can get. Everyone's going to try it out. Everyone's getting different you know, minutes, and it's all going to be up in the air, and different combos are going to be tried. So I don't think there's really too much room to get picky. Yeah. Um. All right. Do we have anything else, or do we want to uh, get to Joe? Well, let's bring up uh, Mr. Nardone. All right. Let's give him a call. Hey, buddy. Hey, how you guys doing? What's up? How are you? I'm living the dream. How are you guys doing? We're cool. We're cool. Actually, you know what? Um, all right. So we're back here with Joseph Nardone. It's our guy from the Off the Wall podcast uh, on the Next Wall Podcast Network. Quick plugs all around. Joe, is today like Christmas for you? Is this like living the dream? It is. It's exactly that. Uh, I had to change my underwear a few times. <laughs> it's, it's pretty much the, uh, Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. The four days are my favorite day of the year. Days of the year. I'm kind of considering this my introduction to college basketball, you know, way late in the game. And, you know, I kind of sat at my desk all day today. I had the computer split screened, 
games going the whole day, you know, doing my work on the other side. And oh man, it was it was incredible. I became a Loyola fan all in one day. <laughs> so the upset guy. I'm, yeah, I'm a diehard Loyola fan now, just because I'm Chicago and I've been to a couple of parties there. But yeah, no, I'm all the way. The fucking yeah, the sister drew me in. Oh, the sister, the, the nun, sister Jean, whatever her name yeah, is. Whatever. Yeah, Loyola, Loyola Ramblers, Chicago's team, clearly better than Northwestern <laughs> and Nepal. Oh man, what else did you like? What, what was your other? Uh, what was the other oh, ones the big, that did you in? The the big takes of the day are obviously Rhode Island beating Oklahoma, not because like listen, Rhode Island was the favorite. They're the far better team. They have For a sure. bunch of upperclassmen. Um, but I think what the what the nation got to see that that wasn't hasn't been paying attention. That's only been watching highlight clips or looking at box scores is how awful Oklahoma is outside of Trey. Yeah, really? It was ugly. They, they, they are quite bad. Um, it's, it was, it's seriously, I wrote a quick piece afterwards to just like discuss how disgustingly awful that team was. Um, since 2018 has happened, which is now three months ago. Um, they haven't won a game away from home. So that's how their season ended. They were probably shouldn't have been in the tournament. They were only in it because, you know, the tournament's a television show and they wanted Trey Young to be on it. So I don't blame them for that. But we got to see, like, Brady Manick was supposed to kind of be, like, the side piece, the the help. He's going, he's a freshman. He's eventually going to be good. But he was, like, a, he was cost prohibitive uh, today. He was awful. Um, and Lon Kruger, he's actually a good coach. But so, like, it's hard to say if he did a really bad job this season or if the team was just that bad. But he didn't make any adjustments to to help Trey Young. In the first half of the game against Rhode Island, they tried to play Trey Young off the ball a little bit, and that didn't work. And then Trey Young got in foul trouble in the first half. They sat him, put him back in. That's why his usage rate is so high, because his teammates are really, really, really bad. Probably the worst set of teammates that a lottery-level player's probably ever had in a major conference program. It's crazy that he's carrying a team so well when his arms are so goddamn skinny. Well, he wasn't carrying the team well because they've stunk since. Well, yeah, since I guess the they, they, the Big Twelve season. They're done. His uh, arms gave out. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad for him. That's probably why he's balding. Yeah, that uh, he is balding. That's crazy. Oh. I mean, I have, I, I don't think like listen. It's just a personal, totally subjective take. But I don't trust a guy who's in his early twenties, already hit thinning hairline, to uh, have his game translated at the next level. Name me one thinning-haired guy that didn't come home. That's actually good in the NBA. Mm. Like currently, does it matter what the all time? Like, listen, if he shaves his head completely bald with a big razor, yeah, I'm I'll back. I'm backing on the Trey Young bandwagon. But as long Are as we he's talking like, there, like he's got to be between the ages of like like nineteen and twenty three, or yeah, he's got to be young. Like, like if you're in your mid thirties, yeah, it's okay to start having like you know, yeah, thinning hair. But like, when I, you're you know, 20, Joe, I got no one for you. I don't have anyone. Do you got anyone, sad. Kyle? You got anyone what? To that match. Thanks for listening to the show, yeah, Kyle. Yeah, come on, Kyle. The, no, we're we're debating whether or not uh, people who are are people who are balding between the ages of nineteen and twenty three can make it in the NBA. Obviously. move on from that entirely uh joe kind of uh had a couple of questions for you going into our uh our podcast today um so it seemed to me that a lot of the guys that knicks fans should have their eye on weren't exactly playing in today's games uh you know we got to look at trey young who's been kind of thrown around with them recently but other than him uh you know like colin sexton hasn't played or i'm not sure who's played since i left work but uh, you know, why don't you just give me a rundown of who of what games you think Knicks fans should really be looking out for? Well, I have, I guess I have to counter a question with you because Jared said okay. this on the last Off the Wall podcast with, as well. Uh, would they target a guard like Colin Sexton, like another guard that's not Colin Sexton's not known as a shooter? He's another playmaker, defensive guy. Isn't that what Nilakina is supposed to be? Yes, I think kind of the. I don't think Knicks. I think Knicks fans are still not convinced with Frankie. You know, everyone wants him to be great and everyone's really enthusiastic and feels really, uh, 
and you know feels really good about him going forward. But I think that that Knicks fans want a little bit more security in that really unstable backcourt kind of rotation. Um, and unfortunately, Emmanuel Moutier and Trey Burke just aren't cutting it. So I think that's kind of where it comes from. Um, but yeah, I, I I think everyone is kind of more in the mind that they want to go a little bit bigger here or, or go for the wing at least. All right. Well, I mean, if you're going to go bigger, I don't know if he'll fall. Like if, if the, I'm assuming like the Knicks will probably land between the eight and 11 spots. But um, if, if that's around where they're going, you want to go bigger. I don't know if Wendell Carter will fall that far. I really like him. I actually like it. Hot take. I like him more than Marvin Bagley. Um, because of the defensive stuff. And I think his, his ceiling is much higher than, or his floor is much higher where he's a safer bet than Bagley. Bagley's not like an off, awful defender. He's not just a local. Did you watch him play today? Defender. Um, and who Wendell Carter? Uh, yeah. No, Marvin Bagley. Well, yes, they're on the same team. Yo, yeah. But I'm speaking specifically of Marvin Bagley. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, he was. They played. Dude, he was. They played he, Iona today. He grabbed every single rebound out there. Like every single one that w- that was coming his way. It was. It was. They, he just looked like a monster compared to just about everybody else on that court. Well, I mean, he had one less rebound than Wendell Carter and played eight more minutes. Did he really? I didn't. I yeah. feel like I know. I mean, I was in and out of the game for sure because I was working. His, but yeah, it was. It seemed like he he was really looked like he was dominating every opportunity out there. Yeah, like listen, Marvin Bag, like, like I'm not a Marvin Bagley truther. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and say he's bad, but like he's a high usage rate guy. So like he's always gonna look like he's involved because for for Duke to be good with him on the floor, everything has to run through him. So he's gonna seem like he's involved in everything because he is. Do you know what I mean when he's on the floor? Right, Wendell Carter Jr. is kind of like he doesn't need offensive sets to be ran through him. I think what happened when Bagley was out for a couple of games and Carter got a chance to shine offensively, you're able to see that he could play with the offense being run through him. I mean, I don't know if that's actually translatable to the next level. I look at him as a, a really good rim protector, a dude that could get buckets without, you know, having the offense run through him. I know that doesn't sound sexy, but like if you're going to pair up somebody with, and he could also actually shoot three pointers, Wendell Carter, as could Bagley really too. But um, if you're going to pair somebody up with Chris stops, and I guess that's the plan here, you want somebody that's kind of sturdyish underneath. And I think Carter's more of that than Bagley. Bagley's not going to fall. If if the Knicks are picking between an eleven, like Bagley's not right. No, that's kind. Of, I think that's kind of why I'm getting as much of him as I can right now, because I know <laughs> I'm not really going to be able to enjoy the fact that Marvin Bagley's a basketball player, because I'll be too upset about the Knicks. You know, anytime other than now. What What do you guys? I I don't. I'm not a big fan of Kevin Knox. He's in that range. Um, I've seen Kevin Knox go anywhere now between like late lottery to like back into the first round. Oh yeah, uh, he's, you think he's uh he can drop that low. I don't I do really know anything he, about his game, but can you uh, can you give us a little bit of a rundown sure, with him? Well, he looks like he's really good, and all the all the numbers say he's really good. And then you watch him play, and you're like, I don't know what he's elite at. Like you watch Trey Young play, you can say a bunch of things. Like you don't know about his athleticism, his defense is obviously awful, right. but you know he's a really good. I think is his vision that's going to translate. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You look at Mo Bamba, you know he's a freak athlete. You look at Jaron Jackson Jr. He like. His offensive game is what gets everybody excited, but you know he's a really good rim protector. And then you look at DeAndre and another physical freak. I don't. When I look at Kevin Knox play basketball, and even though everything seems like it should be there, and it seems like he should be like a top like seven or six pick, I I just don't. Nothing jumps out at him, even though all the numbers says he's really good. Then again, like if Kentucky goes on a run, people will be jumping back on that bandwagon where it's like, oh, Kevin Knox is a lottery pick because he's he was supposed to be the guy that that was going to be Kentucky's dude this year. Mm. And the numbers suggest he is, but he's really not. I know that doesn't make sense, but he's not been this consistently great player this season. Okay. Uh, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. Kyle. Well, no, I was just going to say, because my interest in the tournament, as has been the case for the past couple of tournaments is I'm in full on prospect watch for the Knicks. And so I, yeah, I watched that whole Oklahoma game because he's going to be in that range. I think Trey young, where the Knicks are going to be picking. And I don't know. I mean, basically I guess where my mind's at is I don't know if they're going to really gamble on a, on a big, I mean, I feel like they're going to go either wing or they're going to go guard. I feel like that's my hunch. I feel like they're just trying to throw as much shit at the wall right now with young talent at those positions to get something to stick. 
and they're going to kind of go from there. Maybe they surprise me, but I sort of felt like Trey Young, Sexton, or one of the bridges is going to be who we end up with. <laughs> one of the I love that everybody gets the bridges confused. I think Trey Young's the one. Like if you're going to take a risk, um, I don't love either of the bridges. I think I'm, I'm definitely in the minority in that. I think they'll both be okay pros. Um, I'm also a believer in Neil Aquina. I wasn't in, like you guys know, I was on the podcast to start the season. I wasn't a Neil Aquina believer, right. even though like, it seems like everybody else soured on him. He grew on me. Um, because I think like, you know, he's a really good defender. That's his offensive games far beyond where it should be. Um, because he's like seven years old, but if you want to take yeah. like, I think you'd like the Trey young stuff. He's the hardest player I've ever like had to evaluate because his team's so awful. And his usage rate is, I'd have to look it up, but I imagine it's above 40, which is going to be like the highest since like Pistol Pete Maravich in the yeah, history it, of college basketball. It's, it's a lot. Yeah. So like his turnover numbers look high, but that's because he's handling the ball so much. And like his, his assist numbers would act, even though they're insane, they'd be even better if his teammates could make a layup. Um, he's awful defensively. There's no fixing that. He doesn't even try. But if you're saying like his floor at the very least is elite player that has really good gravity, elite playmaker with that has really good gravity that could create play, uh, create offense for others. I think that's like a really good pick between like the seven through 12 or 13 spot, which it seems like where he's fallen. Um, I, but his ceiling is crazy because his ceiling really is like do that shoots 38 to 40% from three. Um, he can't shoot at the rim, but I mean, he's, to get a guy like that that could shoot between 38 and 40% from three and has the best vision of every any player I've ever seen play college basketball, I think is really good. Uh, yeah, because I mean, I guess that's where I was torn because I feel like Trey Young's obviously the biggest risk. I, I feel like that's that's you basically trying to swing for the fences and yeah. you hope you land it. And I think that's sort of why I'm, I've sort of fallen into favor for the bridges because I feel like well, if you can go out and, and get a, a wing, I feel like wing is the safest position to draft for because typically those guys are athletic enough to hang around for a while. So like at worst, they're like, okay, role player. And then best case scenario, they take off a little bit. So that's why, where I was almost of the mind to just try to take one of them. Because if you believe in Frank, you know, if you believe uh, KP's gonna, you know, let's just say he comes back healthy, he starts playing the five in the next two or three years. You know, at that point, you have your your five, you have your point guard with Frank, you have Timmy for another couple of years. So why not just try to shore up the wings with a? You're not trying to knock it out of the park, but you're just trying to go for a safe, good starter, basically. At 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 worst, I guess that's sort of where I, I, I'm at. I have an idea here. Joe. Yes. I am going to run a simulated lottery on Tankathon okay. right now. I would like you to tell us who the Knicks should draft, given the position that I tell you right now. Okay. All right. So here's the drum roll. And the Knicks will select 10th in the NBA draft. I don't like that. Uh, I, 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 I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> all right, I didn't get tenth. I hit. I hit it once. I got second. Really? Whoa, all right, go that's, set. That's right, not going to happen. Yeah, neither. I, yeah, I mean, tenth is more likely to happen. They they moved back last year. All right, so the nine ten range. Let's go with that. Who do who do they take there? Uh, so I, I, in my opinion, Carter and Young would both be off the bar, board there. I would go. I would go with one of the Bridges. I would go with uh, Mikel Bridges, who I like more than Miles. Um. Miles' numbers looks really good, um, even like the last two years, his freshman year. But he changed positions this season, um, played a lot less inside, and he struggled um, trying to transition a little bit. That's expected. Like, you can't expect to be like a bruiser inside and be like, all right, now you're going to be a slasher and a three point shooter. Um, he, although he's taking about the same amount of threes as he did last year, his percentage actually j- jumped down uh, about 20, uh, two tenths of a percentage point or whatever. Mikel Bridges' upsides. I feel like he's safer. He's shown season over season. He's a junior that he will be controlled as a player. 
And his three-point shooting, he takes a lot of threes. I think he's shooting over six per game this season. And he makes 42% of those. Um, yeah. I worry about him defensively, and I also think he's going to measure in smaller than what they list him at. They list him at 6'6". Six, six. I think he's probably 6'5". His wingspan's going to... And I also feel, feel fear that for Miles, too. Like they're, They feel like tweener guys who are probably going to measure in smaller than we realize. I think that's really going to hurt both of them. But I think Bikel's the better player just because he's a little bit better of a three-point shooter. Spacing so important. Right. Especially if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna rely on Nilakina, the guy that can't really shoot right now. Um, and then see what else happens with the other guard play, like if they keep Dre Burke and everything like that. Um, you need somebody that can shoot. And Miles Bridges is an okay three-point shooter, but there's he's not like like you can make an argument Mikel's because of how much he shoots, he shoots six per game, that he's almost for sure going to be an excellent three-point shooter at the next level. Alrighty, so I just ran the lottery again. I won't tell you how many times I did it, but I ran it again, and I ended up in the third place position. So let's say the Knicks end up with, and let's just expand on this a little bit. Let's say they end up somewhere between three and four here. Three and five, uh, even. We can go three and five. Who do you think they take? All right, so Aiton and Donica, Luca's off the board. Right, those um, two, the surefires are gotten there. I'm a Jaron Jackson Jr. truther. I think he his ceiling is crazy stupid. I think he's he's not athletic enough to be considered like a unicorn or anything like that. But dude is we got one of those sure already. Going, what's that? I'm sorry. We got one of those already. We don't need another unicorn. You, you can't have two unicorns. Well, listen, I'm telling no, you. No, right we now, can. I, I'm happy with them, but we don't need two. He's unicorns. a tremendous defensive player. Like you're upgrading at defense there. His he is like not only is he good on ball defender, but what he does is his reaction time is really quick. Um, I wrote a piece on him a couple weeks ago where he'll be at the foul line guarding a pick and roll. And if the offensive player is making a pass to somebody that's the third player outside of that play cutting to the rim, he can recover and block that shot in like a half a second. It's one of the most insane things I've ever seen. His basketball IQ is insane. Um, And obviously his offensive numbers suggest that like he's really going to translate well as at least a three-point shooting big stretch guy. But his footwork underneath which obviously doesn't show up in, in stats is so way beyond like he's the son of a former NBA player. His footwork is so beyond where a 19, 20 year old footwork should be for a six eleven dude. He's my, like, listen, I know people love Deandre and then they should because he's a physical freak. I haven't seen Luca play enough to have a really solid opinion on him. Jaron Jackson jr. Is my favorite prospect from this entire, in this entire draft with so, those caveats put in there. It's a really interesting class to me. I don't know why I just like, there, I feel like there's a lot of different players and a lot of, and like, you know, you have Doncic in there. It's supposed to be so good, but not everyone knows a lot about him. Cause he's, you know, overseas and we don't get to see him. And then you just have like all a bunch of different talents who are playing well. I feel like this year in college ball. Um, I think it's going to be a really interesting rookie class coming into next year. Yeah. It's weird. Like last year's class, I would, Great as a, like, especially in the first round, is a better class. Mm-hmm. Like I thought last year's class was one of the best classes ever. I agree. Um, this year's class is riddled with dudes where you're like, yeah, that their upside is insane. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Mo, the lazy co- the comparisons for Mo Bamba, the lazy ones are like Miles Turner. So like if that, if that's his upside, which it's not, but like if that is what it, you think it could be, you're like, oh my god, that's great. And he's projected to go anywhere between like three and nine. Do you know what I mean? And Colin yeah. Sexton. Like he's that dude, like like people love to say if he can only shoot, like as if like you could just learn how to shoot and it's easy. Um, but he has, literally has every other skill set you want. He's a good playmaker, you can get to the rim, he scores at the rim, he's a really solid defender. I don't I wouldn't call him a great defender, he's a solid defender, he's a good passer. If he can only shoot, and usually like if it was a bad draft class, people would talk themselves into Colin Sexton being a top three pick. But because there's the Wendell Carters and Michael Porters and Aitons and Donics. On uh, Lucas, I can never pronounce his last name. Sexton falls between like the later part of the lottery, which is pretty insane. So that, and a guy like Kyrie Thomas, for example, from Creighton, mm-hmm. he's one of the best defensive players in the country. And like that's, it's hard to say like because he plays in the Big East and he's not playing like every elite guard in the country. But, like that's one of the few things where you feel like that's translatable. It was for Malcolm Brogdon coming out of Virginia, and it's all on ball with Kyrie Thomas, and he's a dude that might not get drafted until the twenties. Do you know what I mean? So like, it's a really weird draft class where I'm like, I see a ton of dudes that are like going to be really good rotational players. And I don't see like, like, I don't see a ton of risks. Like Michael Porter might be a bust, but it'd be because of his injury history. It won't be yeah. because of his skill set. 
let's forget about the Knicks then. Let's forget about where they're going to get drafted. Let's just focus on college ball here. Uh, you know, based on some matchups that you're seeing uh, in the next round or whoever we have left in this round, what are your uh, what what are the games we should be looking out for? What are you excited Ooh. to watch? Well, today I was excited for Penn and Kansas, and that shit the bad. Yeah, that was that um, was over really quickly. It seemed. Well, listen, it was close. I don't know, with like ten minutes to go, and then Kansas was like, "Oh yeah, we have better athletes." It, it was close um, until it wasn't. Pretty much, yeah. It was sunny till it rained. Um, Marshall with the uh, for Friday's games. Um, Marshall Wichita State. Um, New York Knicks fans will like this. Mike uh, Mike D'Antoni's brother Dan is the coach at Marshall. Um, they play a super up tempo style of game. It's almost like that seven seconds of sex offense. Um, Dan Tony, hey, of... Dan D'Antoni was in New York for quite a little bit. We know Dan. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure. I tried to explain it to, to Jared on the off the wall podcast and he was, well, one, I kept from, yeah, you didn't thing. know who he was. You thought he was Dan no, D'Antonio. Well, yeah, because you know, I made a Mark D'Antonio, the Michigan state football coach's <laughs> brother. But, uh, yeah, they play super up temp, uh, up tempo basketball, which at the state's the far better team. Um, Landry Shamet is another one of those really intriguing prospects who could do a little bit of everything. He's a two-way player. Uh, but I do think Marshall gives them, give them, gives them trouble because of the tempo. And if for that alone, because it'll be an up-tempo style of game and most college basketball games, like, let's be honest, like they're awful to watch because the tempo sucks. Uh, Dan D'Antoni forces the tempo. So that'll be interesting. Um, mm. Other way, other way, uh, outside of that on Friday, like the game, Texas, Nevada, Nevada is super good mm-hmm. under people love Mobamba. I think what you're going to see, you're going to realize how good Nevada is. Um, they're not like, they don't have a ton of sexy players. It's almost all upperclassmen, but if you want to see Mobamba struggle against somebody, that's a really good coach. Eric Musselman's a really good coach for Nevada, but well, they're probably game plan to keep him out. Um, that's interesting. Outside of that, like tomorrow's ge- Friday slated games aren't great. Um, because I don't see any upsets here. Like I don't see college of Charleston beating Auburn or Murray beating state beat in West Virginia or anything like that. So the best games are probably Marshall just because the Marshall with Utah state just because of the temple being forced there than Texas, Nevada. Brad, I'm excited. You know, I'm trying this year. I'm really trying not to be the person who is just watching these games and trying to get, you know, insight on how they're going to look in the NBA, I'm trying to appreciate well, this. Tough, right? Yeah. I'm trying to appreciate this for what it is. It's tough because even like, so like I'm college basketball nerd dude, and it's hard when you get to the tournament to not view it through the prism prism of NBA stuff, because everybody likes the upsets in the first round. And then like, it's great. That feel good moments. Awesome. And then when the round of 32 hits, you're like, Oh yeah, this team's actually bad. I don't want to watch them play because none of these players matter. So like I like Rhode Island isn't bad, right? They're a really good team. EC Matthews, Jared Taylor, really excellent players. Fats Russell had a coming out game today. He's actually not good. He just had like the game. Of the that was, I was going to ask about him. Like, I didn't know if he was actually any good because no one seems to have heard of him. And I guess uh, right, rightfully so. Of, he was a three-star recruit coming out of Philly. Got it. Uh, wasn't heavily recruited. Temple kind of passed on him. When Temple passes on a kid out of Philly, he's not projected to be good. Although, according to a couple of people at the Nike EYBDL or whatever the fuck it's called, he started stunting towards the end of his high school career. Um, mm. So that might have been like a missed rating thing with him, but he wasn't, he shot below 40% from the field and below 30% from three on the season. So he wasn't good this year. He just played the game. He's a really good defender, but he played the game of his life. That's really where it came from too. Like he got the steal against young and then really forced him into, you know, he, he kind of seemed to be the one who forced that overtime, which I feel like will that three point shotter that he took that it was, it was a one on three fast break when he made the steal and he took a three. Mm-hmm. Like that one as a freshman, that's not highly regarded. That takes stones, <laughs> and it went in. Like, like he, like he would have got yanked. We would have never seen him play basketball again if he missed that three pointer. Hey, you shoot your shot, man. All right, what else is going on? Anything else you're looking forward to in the uh, in the upcoming games? Um, listen, I want to see Missouri. Uh, mm-hmm. I have them in my final four. Them or Nevada? I keep forgetting which are the two I put them in my final four. But Missouri with Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, you want to see him play. He's gonna be rusty as fuck though. I don't expect him to look good, but if they can make it through a couple of rounds and he can work himself back into shape as we're going back to the NBA prison thing, um, I'd really like to see them win a couple of games just to see more of him. All right. Well, I'm excited. Uh, we should catch back up with you. Uh, I think at some point before the end of the tournament, 
Uh, we should have you and Jared come on. We should just we we need to do this. We're on the same network. Yeah, we need to, I mean, I'm done. All right, we'll make it happen. It's been it's been a while. Um, yeah. All right, Kyle, you got anything else? No. I was, I, Thanks, Kyle. I didn't. I was wondering if you were even there still, or if you had just gone to take the dog for a walk or something. No, no, I was here, but this is our lottery slash college breakdown. I'm not going to interrupt the great Joan Ardone when he's going on about college basketball. Yeah. So it's for me to be like, yes, uh, I would like the Knicks to not be risky during the draft. Continue, Joe. Yeah, and, and we're, we're just we're just way in over our heads here. Thank, thank you for thank you for your insight, Kyle. You're welcome, Joe. Like, <laughs> Like, like, no, like I, I'm watching from, from the NBA prism. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, where, where we should be, you know, where we're likely to pick uh, our best odds and who we should be picking to that position. So I'm just sort of crash coursing the way I always do in the last two months of the college basketball year to, to kind of bum rush what I can get on these guys. So yeah, I mean, I, that's, I'm just trying to intake. I'm trying to listen, trying to listen, learn me too. Uh, yeah, me too. Well, Joe, thanks for teaching us, Professor Nardone. Um, thanks, Ryan. We'll be talking to you soon. Everyone, make sure to be listening to the Off the Wall podcast on the wonderful Nick's Wall podcast network, of course. Um, Jared and Joe killing it every week. New episodes out on Mondays. Uh, thanks for letting me do your plug for you, Joe. You're the best, Nancy. <laughs> I appreciate it. You're the best producer ever. Whatever I pay you personally, triple it. Awesome. I will. Oh, I'll remember to do that. Alrighty. Uh, Kyle, Joe, it's been real. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, take it easy, fellas. Have a good night.